Welcome to the Choosing to Stay podcast. We're your hosts, Hallie Roderick and Stephanie Hamby, certified relationship and recovery coaches. We specialize in supporting couples who are healing from infidelity and betrayal. We invite you to join us each week as we explore the challenges and joys of the recovery journey for couples who are choosing to stay in a relationship after betrayal. We'll encourage you with hope for healing and transformation. Connection, empathy, growth, choosing to stay. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Choosing to Stay podcast. My name is Hallie and I'm here with my co-host Stephanie. And we are following up to our episode last week where we started talking about core values and the importance of defining those in recovery and in healing. And we both feel like we could talk about this for hours. And so we're excited to continue the conversation today around core values and really digging into what this work looks like, because you can hear the term core values and it's easy to do some surface level, like, well, I know I value safety or I value family. And it's easy to do some of those like quick off the top of your head, defining what's important to you. But we want to talk about getting into the weeds of defining what core values actually mean. And I think that's important in this healing process from betrayal because we're kind of in a crisis at this point in our lives and a place where we're redefining who we are. It can be such an important, we used the word compass last week or touchstone or a place to kind of come to and turn to when we have decisions to make, or we're faced with situations and how to respond or react to different things. And so we're going to talk about that today. So where do you think we should start, Stephanie? Usually like when I'm working with my clients and just in like defining their core values, we usually have like a list, just like a common core values. And my client will look through and see which ones resonate most with them. There's several different frameworks. Hallie and I both have one that we use and they're all very similar. So it, they work through this like list and then you narrow it down to maybe what are your top two, top five, And then what falls in those categories? Like, how am I functioning from this? So I have my clients have the top core value and then which ones fall underneath this. So like, sometimes I will see like justice as a top core value. And so if we are just like an outside person and we hear justice, we're like, well, what does justice actually mean? Is that vengeance? Is that like advocating? Like, what does justice actually mean to you? And so then them really narrowing it down to this is what this word means to me. And this is how I function through it. So it starts with that. And then I say, that's like a really simplified version of just saying, oh, these are what resonate most with me. And this is how I would like to, or want to function. There's something that just came up around this too, Hallie, when we are working to create that list or the first like introduction to core values. I think it's really important that the individual do some deep self-reflection introspection. Like we are really looking at who you are as a person versus what cultural norms tell you you should be. Or, and again, like, I think we talked about this in the first episode, bringing in the traditions or handed down values. And so a lot of those we do carry with us. Some of those we don't like some of those are our moms and dads or our grandparents. And we don't truly carry that one as a person. So like, where am I getting this from? Is this something that's truly important to me? I'm not just saying this because 
my family has valued this. You're making me think of this quote that I have. Is it okay if I share a quote? Do you think? Yeah. yeah. It's a little, it's a little long. It's two paragraphs. So hold on with me, but it comes from a book called think like a monk by Jay Shetty, which I love. It's not a, it's not a recovery book, but it's a really good book. If anybody wants a good one, but he says, our values don't come to us in our sleep. We don't think them through consciously. Rarely do we even put them into words, but they exist nonetheless. Everyone is born into a certain set of circumstances and our values are defined by what we experience. Were we born into hardship or luxury? Where did we receive praise? Parents and caregivers are often our loudest fans and critics. Though we might rebel in our teenage years, we are generally compelled to please and imitate those authority figures. Looking back, think about how your time with your parents was spent. Playing, enjoying conversations, working on projects together. What did they tell you was most important and did that did it match what mattered most to them? Who did they want you to be? What did they want you to accomplish? How did they expect you to behave? Did you absorb those ideals and have they worked for you? From the start, our educators are another powerful influence. The subjects that are taught, the cultural angle from which they are taught, the way we are expected to learn. A fact-driven curriculum doesn't encourage creativity. A narrow cultural approach doesn't foster tolerance for people from different backgrounds and places. And there are a few opportunities to immerse ourselves in our passions, even if we know them from an early age. This is not to say that school doesn't prepare us for life, and there are many different educational models out there, some of which are less restrictive, but it's worth taking a step back to consider whether the values you carried from childhood and school feel right to you. Mm. And I think that goes along with what you're saying is like, we pick up a lot of things along the way. And do they really resonate with who we want to be today? I think I might've mentioned this in an episode or two ago, but I was at a retreat and they talked about this idea of reparenting ourselves and taking this look at like, okay, I lived in my parents' home for 18 years. And now how many years have I been out on my own as, and basically parenting myself? And am I doing a job, a better job than my parents did with parenting myself? This is not to be critical of our parents because most of our parents did the best they could with the situations and knowledge that they had. And there's a lot more resources for us today. So this is not to be critical of anybody's parents, but just to say, okay, just because this was the way I was raised or the culture that I was raised in or the society. And sometimes we have religious traditions and things that are so ingrained in us growing up and we get the opportunity now as adults, and especially in this kind of crisis in life to define what actually is most important to me going forward, even if it pushes against what we brought with us from childhood. Yeah, that's really good. I think that too, when looking at it through the lens of bringing in what we have, maybe even our childhood and like bringing in that into who we are today, there's definitely some that like, I know me personally, I can like look at my list and be like, oh, these are very traditional. Like I can see that these have been handed down to me for years. And it is super important. There are a lot that were not. And I really recognize like, no, I was functioning from someone else's core values and not being true to myself, like my authentic self. And that's where I get that. I call it the yucky feeling, which is like internal conflict. I get that yucky feeling when I make decisions because I'm basing it from someone else's core value system and not my own. Another way to look at this is to go back And maybe you can share some of those questions that you shared 
mm-hmm. I think this may be in there, but like going back on past decisions that we've made or past experiences and like looking at those, was there a value there that was bumped up against? Was there something that I made a decision against? And like really looking back and being like, where did this emotion come from or boundary that was crossed? And what value was underlying that, that I needed to be really supporting in that or putting a voice to in that? Yeah. So one of the questions in the, I guess, homework or whatever we call it, that I like to give my clients is to consider a time when you got angry, frustrated, or upset. And when you think back on that, what was going on at that time? Who were you with? What were you feeling? And now if you flip those feelings, what value is being suppressed or challenged in that situation? And so that's a really good thought-provoking question of like, let me just think of the last time I got angry and frustrated and upset, or I can think of a big thing I got angry and frustrated and upset about and what was being pushed up against there. Yeah. Can I give an example of that? Love that. This has come up several times this week and, and with my clients and So there's this, it's usually the one who has acted out and like something comes up and they need to go or they want to go do something that is usually like a self-care or hobby type thing. And so in the past, they would make decisions and choices that they wouldn't consider their partner's well-being really, or anything about them. They just, this is what I'm doing and you can like it or lump it really. And So now that we're in relational repair, these things are coming up and what the, the core value that's really being bumped there with a partner is respect. Like, are you respecting and honoring my time or me as a person? And we've been working through like verbiage and what that looks like. It's not a parent child dynamic because someone has respect as a core value that doesn't make it a parent child dynamic, but we can meet that person with empathy. I can see that during this time, you are going to have all the children home with you. I'm sure you have other plans. I know it's going to be hard and a lot of work for you to be attentive to the children. I'm wanting to go golf with my buddies. How do you feel about this? And usually if we approach that, like with empathy, can we meet on our core value system and honor both persons core value? But I was literally thinking like how we see it show up right now. And also how it can be very triggering for the partner when these things start coming up that they have had an experience in the past that was against a core value and it's coming up again in relational repair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And resentment is another word I think of like, that's a good, if you're feeling resentment, what's going on, what's, you know, what's being, is there a value that's being pushed up against? Yeah. yeah I think there'll be a lot of people in our audience that can resonate with your example. Yes. And, you know, on the flip side of that, so we're talking about if you can think about a time you got angry or frustrated or upset, but on the flip side of that, think about meaningful moments that you can recall and think of the positive impact those experiences have had in your life and what was happening to you. What was going on? Who were you with? Where were you at? And what values were you honoring at this time? So even just saying that is the opposite of the yucky feeling that you were talking about. It's like, When I am in my element, when I am doing things that align with who I am, that feel authentic to me, what are those moments and what was going on? What was I doing? Who was I with? So there's the flip side, both of those, you know, what, what's upsetting to us, what's being crossed. When do we feel totally like at home in ourselves and what is aligning with that? Yes. 
That's so good. I think it's a part of that self-reflection. And if we can start recognizing times in our lives when they really, like our core values were truly honored and showed up, that's how we can cling to that emotion and that feeling and that really that visceral feeling that I keep talking about, but we can cling to that. And then, you know, immediately you start recognizing, I think too, for the betrayed partner, this is a, a work in honoring your intuition because then you can start seeing ways that you or someone else went against your core values. And how are we going to implement that in the future? Oh, I know what that feels like to honor myself. I know what that feels like to value my intuition and then move in that. One of the questions that I have on mine, I think kind of falls in with this too, is, is like with this core value, like say we were looking at just one core value, is this who I am? If I am functioning as my best self, like, so am I actually living this out? Or is this just like a lofty dream and a goal that I want to have? Like, no, this is who I am. This is who I want to be. This is who I'm trying to become. And I am working and can see it playing out in my day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. And I think that we we touched on this a minute ago, but everybody has a different set of values, even in relationship. Like there are things in my own relationship, they're not deal breakers, but there are things like, I'll just give like a generalized example. My husband has a bigger comfort zone than I do. I'm a little more reserved and he's a little more, he has a little less fear. And so he has no problem doing different things that I find uncomfortable. I'm not saying bad things, but just like in general, like, I don't know, I could give you a million examples. But the point is, is that as I've done my own core values work, I have gotten to the point where I can allow him to do those things that I'm uncomfortable with, but I don't have to do it if it's uncomfortable for me. So if I get that internal conflict, I can go, you know what? It's okay if you want to do that, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to participate. I'm not talking about big things that are deal breakers or anything, but just like comfort zone things. I'm okay if you want to go do that, but I don't really want to. So go ahead. And I don't have resentment around it. And hopefully he doesn't either. I don't know. I'd have to check in with him if he does, but I am confident and comfortable standing within my own skin because I don't know what this value is. I don't, it's more of, it kind of is my a right of mine is that I have a right to say no to things that are uncomfortable to me. And I have worked really hard to do that. Mm-hmm. And my husband now knows that a, a couple of months ago, he apologized for something that we did together. And I said, I'm sorry, I made you do that. And I was like, you didn't make me do that. I chose to do that. And he said, yeah, you're right. I know that you don't do things you're not comfortable with. I don't. And he sees it and there wasn't resentment around it from either one of us. It was just that we both have our own, you know, we have our own values and some of those we can tolerate. And sometimes we, when you do this core value work, you might have an awareness that your spouse has a different set of value systems that isn't tolerable. That's, that is more of a non-negotiable for you. And that's why it's important for both of you to do this work individually. And then I think it can be healthy to share it with each other and just see where you guys line up. Do your values line up with each other? And can you honor and respect each other's values? Or are there some things that are non-negotiable? Yes, that's so good. I think that's where we come in, in the relational repair of like, what does it look like to have shared value system? Which ones are tolerable? Which ones are not? Like, are we even close to the same page? Like, can we bring these values together and and build and grow and thrive in this, like with these values? And something I was thinking about too, is like, 
sometimes when we see the ones that are completely intolerable or like those are crossing my non-negotiables, we really need to check and see if they are fear-based. And I see this a lot with my clients too. It's like, are is this truly who I am as a, my authentic self, as my best person? Or am I, is this a core value to me because I have a lack of or a scarcity in this area and I need this in my life? So the scarcity says I need to cling onto this core value or I will not survive versus I need this in my life so that I can be my best self for myself and others. And so one that comes up for me with that is security. So security can be a healthy core value if we are rooting it in. I keep going back to faith, like my security is based in who God says I am, who I am as a daughter of Christ and those kind of things. So that would be like a healthy way of viewing security. If we view security from like this worldly or like almost like this twisted view, it can say my security is rooted in my finances and the things that I do to gain that. And that can be a fear-based scarcity core value. So I hope I explained that well, but I do see that come up a lot. It's like, maybe it's not an intolerable. Maybe we are just trying to find or fulfill that in a way that's really working through something other than our value system. We're just like (laughs) clinging to something that we really don't have control over. Okay. So as you're describing that safety and security thing, my brain goes to, if we base our safety and security in our spouse, is that also, does that fall in that Mm fear-based category of like, I am dependent on you for my safety and security. And I think that falls, if we go back a couple episodes on the codependent behaviors that we talked about, but can I be secure in my own ability to create that safety and security if my spouse is unable or unwilling to do it? And can I anchor myself so much to God and to, you know, who I am at my own identity that I realize no matter what, I'll be okay. Mm-hmm even if this person doesn't provide that safety and security for me. So I don't know. Do you feel like that falls in that fear-based category? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we can take a core value that has really great meaning and can be a really healthy approach, I guess. And it can become very mangled and like twisted. So yes, like that would be one way, like we can have safety as a core value and it can be a good way of viewing it. I have safety within myself and then you are aiding to my safety. You are Mm -hmm. building upon my safety, but I don't have safety because I have a lack of within self or in the relationship. So safety is not a core value of mine because of fear. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I do think that it definitely falls in there. Well, and that might be one of those ones that if you value safety in a relationship and your spouse is unwilling or unable to provide that safety in a relationship, that might be one of those values where you go, okay, our values don't line up here. And is this a non-negotiable? Is this something I can tolerate? Can I be comfortable needing to create my own safety all the time? Cause you're unable or unwilling to do it. Yes. So those ones that we need to look at and go, okay, maybe our values aren't lining up here. Yes. I don't want to get too far off on this, but I literally was thinking like, I see that so much because like safety could be a core value of a partner and it could be with the best intentions, not fear-based. Maybe it was before betrayal and the other person's is like, the complete opposite, like uncertainty, because uncertainty is a need of a human. Like we all need that, but say like uncertainty or novelty, those kind of things are like top priority for the someone else. 
that could really butt up against each other. Like they could really conflict there. If one is like really along the lines of just like, this is important to me to not have a, a plan or any type of safety and security and to just go with my impulses. And then the other mm-hmm. person is needing safety and security as like a top priority. That would be very conflicting. So there's a couple other questions that I think of that can kind of help you get started. What we've been talking about is more kind of get into the deeper weeds, but some surface level ones I think are like, okay, look around what fills your space. You know, what's, as I look around at my office, I can see, you know, a lot of things that define what I value and in my house, what pictures hang on my walls and what kind of food is in my fridge. Do, if I value eating healthy, I'm going to have healthy food in my fridge. And if I value convenience, I might have a freezer full of pre-made freezer meals, you know, but what sits on your end tables, like what feels your physical space can kind of help you look around and go, okay, you know, like I have religion, I have Christ pictures on my wall. So that is a reminder to me that that is an important part of my life. I have all sorts of like Zen things in my environment. I have you know, like healing crystals and I have diffusers and I have things that define that natural healing is part of what's important to me. Where do you spend your time? Look at your calendar. When you have free time, what do you do? How much time are you spending in work or in service or with your family? Like what are the activities and hobbies that you do on a regular basis and which things and and activities consume a whole lot of your time? How do you spend your money? If you look at your bank account or if you have one of those apps or you have a program that helps you look at your budget, where does the majority of your money go? And what does that say about your values? Think about when you're with your friends or in social settings, what kind of things do you talk about? If the conversation starts to lull, where does your mind go? What do you want to bring up? And then I think another one is like, what inspires you? So check your social media accounts. If you have that, who do you follow? Who, who do you admire and why? What qualities do those people have? I think about music is a big one for me. What kind of music do I listen to? And music to me, I mean, says a lot, says a lot to me. Even like, I know if you're listening to our podcast, what does that say about what you value? Or if you listen to audiobooks, what kind of books are you listening to? So there's a lot of questions that can get you thinking about what you're already doing and what those things say about your values and what's important to you. Yeah, that's so good. A lot of times, and I'll just go back to like the original defining what our core values are. A lot of times when we look at those lists, we do just pick out things that, oh, I would like to, you know, oh, this sounds good. This feels good. Like I want this to be me. But then whenever we take it and compare it to those the things that you mentioned are wonderful. That should be how someone determines their core values, because then we have a really authentic or realistic perspective of what our core values are. Because sometimes we'll look at that list and just be like, yep, it's all these, but I'm not really functioning from any of this. Like, so like health is a top core value, but I don't spend time investing in any exercise or healthy eating or any of all, all the things that come into that category. So yes, like are we truly living out or is this just like a lofty dream vision that we have? I was just going to say, that's why I love to have my clients do this work and go through those questions because it helps you to identify 
what values you're living from today and then keep going and digging into the work and going, okay, is what I'm living, how I'm living today actually the way I want to live? And is there any course corrections that I can make that can help me to really align with who I define myself to be or who I want to define myself to be? Are Basically, are my actions aligning with my words or my ideals? Yeah, that's really good. I was thinking about how important it is in defining our core values and and navigating life challenges and navigating future decisions. And I have actually used this. It was just shortly after I had like really got clear on these are my core values. And this is when I'm making my best choices and functioning as my best self. And I had a really big decision to make. It wasn't a relational decision, but it was a bigger decision And I looked at my core values and well, I spent some time in like meditation and prayer and journaling a lot actually, but I can see that the decision that I was going to make was really in full alignment with my core values. And then after I made the decision and I'm living out that decision now, it still feels right because I use my core values as a guiding principle. Yes, this is truly falling in line with all of the things. And so it really helps us in future decision-making and like navigating life circumstances that can seem or could have seemed challenging before. Yeah. I think that's such a good point because I think of sometimes, especially when it comes to big life decisions and we talked about fear, but I'm talking about fear in a different way right now. Like sometimes doing things, especially if it's making a big life decision, it can feel scary. And even though it's the right thing to do, sometimes it's the right thing to do and it's still scary. Yes. So we can have fear and courage at the same time. And when you have this like core value to cross reference to your decision with, it can help you to make that decision and go, okay, this actually feels really scary, but it still feels like the right thing to do. And I'm going to do it even though it feels scary because I am so committed to living within my value system. And it feels like it helps me to be authentic. So I don't know if you, I'm sure we all can think of examples of in our lives of that, but like I can think of big major decisions, even like you and I starting this podcast together, Yeah, like that was, that was a big step for both of us and a vulnerable step to step into this. It was scary and yet it felt right. And then when you and I met, all the pieces fell into place. That's just one example of how sometimes a thing can feel scary to do. And it's still the right thing to do. And when we check it with our value system, it's like, okay, this does align with who I want to be. This does align with what I want to do with my life. And I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Absolutely. And too, like I was thinking with that exact thing that you were just saying, it helps build that resilience. Well, truly the way I view it, and this may go against the flow, I don't know, but the way I view it is the one who has acted out and the betrayed partner both have experienced trauma at some point in their life. And so we are looking at it through this lens of the window of tolerance and building that resilience. So as you discover and define your core values and start functioning from those, you do have that fear and courage. That's what builds, like we can have conflicting emotions residing in the same and we do what's best for us. That's what builds that emotional window of tolerance. And we are able to have a greater capacity, which is trauma healing itself. And I literally was thinking, I was like, oh, that's increasing the window of tolerance each time that we step into those moments. And we have that backing of like, oh, this aligns with my core values. This aligns, even though it feels really scary. 
and has the fear in it. Yeah. And it reminds me of what we were talking about earlier with that, like think of a time when you felt, what was the language we used? What like was anger. The and Well, and I was thinking about the opposite though. Like, oh, the when, good. yeah. When you had a meaningful moment, when you felt good mm-hmm. and, and pushing through that fear and kind of past that when it feels like it's the right thing to do, the reward comes from the end result of making that choice. When you have that confirmation that I did the right thing and that feels good. And when you're stepping into a new behavior that is now, maybe you've been kind of crossing your own value system in some way, and you start to honor this core value that you've defined and honor what's coming up for you and honoring, like not going to that self-betrayal, but really honoring yourself, that feels so good. And that's what it reminds me of, like that visceral response we have, like we need to absorb that and store that and go, okay, that felt so good. And then it gives you the confidence and the courage to do it again and do it again and do it again. And it's a practice. And then the more you do it, it's like, that's where it becomes non-negotiable for you. It's like, no, it feels so good to stand in this place in my value system that it's so uncomfortable to cross it. I can't do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You have core beliefs, beliefs in general, they are shaped from experiences that are repetitive over a period of time. So to shift a belief, we have to have experiences that are repetitive over a period of time. So to reestablish that belief and trust in self, we have to have experiences that negate whatever we believe before. So like I say, I can't trust myself. I didn't see it. Like, I don't, I don't know what was happening, but I didn't see it coming up. You validate your intuition in the future by having experiences, just like what we're talking about over and over again, where you're like, oh no, I made a good choice. It was the right choice. And this is what I have to prove it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I have to help my clients go back and see that you have Mm -hmm. to ask questions like, okay, let's take a minute. And like, what was the choice that you made and what was the outcome of that? And how did that feel? And just help them to recognize that, oh yeah, I actually did do that for myself. I did trust myself and it felt really good. Help them like come to that internal validation that is so powerful. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I hope that what we've talked about in these last two weeks around core values gives you a good start and a desire to jump into it. It's an important part of healing individually and I believe relationally in recovery after betrayal. And if you need some support around that, feel free to reach out to Stephanie or I, or ask your coach or your therapist about getting some support around this core values work. I know sometimes when we're in the middle of this work, we just want somebody to give us some structure. And Stephanie and I both have a little structure that we can help give some structure for you to do the work yourself. But if you need help, feel free to reach out. And we hope that this gives you the desire and the courage to step into this work of core values so that you can start living in an authentic way that honors what feels right to you. And we hope that you'll join us next week. Thank you for listening to the Choosing to Stay podcast. If you have enjoyed this show, we invite you to subscribe, share, and leave us a review. Connection, empathy, and growth. Choosing to Stay.